but it's good to be back. Today is one of our um, Way of Jesus kind of in-between sermons. So if you've been with us at all throughout the year, you know that we've been doing several practices that we're calling the Way of Jesus, and we're doing those at different points throughout the year and then giving space to practice what we're preaching. So we're highlighting and we're pressing into particular spiritual practices that open us up to the kingdom of God, that train us in the process of discerning and responding to God's presence, because our theme this year is participation in the life of Jesus. The, the whole reason that we're doing this, these kind of one-off messages and we're focusing on practices is because uh, we don't think our way into new ways of living. As Christians, we, we get this so backwards. We, we think that all that needs to change is our, is our intellect, our mind, our cognition. And if we think, you know, the right information, then our lives will inevitably change. There's a couple problems with that. Science tells you that that doesn't work, <laughs> that that's actually not the way to change. And, um, and also the Bible. You've got to contend with the Bible. The Bible says that we offer our lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, as a true act of worship. And in doing so, we get to test and see that the Lord is good. We understand his will. We participate in his work by, by giving ourselves over to things that end up uh, shortening the gap between our, our heads and our hearts, what we think and what we believe. The, the way to transform the heart is from the head through the hands. You have to do stuff. You have to give your life over to things. And in giving your life over to things, you find that you participate in the life that God wants for you. And we've been talking about several of these participatory activities or habits or rhythms that God gives to his people over the course of time. Back in February, I think it was, we talked about fasting. Um, as a practice to participate with God's presence. Then at the beginning of the summer, we talked about silence, silent prayer in particular, and being present to God in our aloneness. Today, we're going to talk about Sabbath. My goal for, uh, for this morning is to convince you that rest is a good idea. <laughs> now, some of you think that you think it's already a good idea, but you don't do it, so you don't actually live as though it's a good idea. You just think it's a good idea. And I'm, I'm in that camp too, by the way. So where should we look to get a, a, an understanding of Sabbath and rest? Well, first place that it appears outside of the actual creation story in Genesis 1, it comes from Exodus 20. So Exodus 20 is when God is giving the law to his people. We refer to them as the Ten Commandments. Uh, and, and these ten things... You can think of them as, t as God's ten best ways, are ways that the people of God can live as, the, as free people, live in relationship with God, participate in what God is doing, in his leadership, in his care, in his presence. And one of those ten is, is about Sabbath, is about rest. So let's, let's read a bit of that, and then I, I want to sprinkle in a couple other verses from the New Testament, and I'll call those out as we get to them. Exodus 20, uh, verse 1 and then verse 8 through 11. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
Remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And Jesus has a couple things to say. Mark 2, verse 27-28. Then Jesus said to the Pharisees, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Uh, I'm going to start with a confession. I have known that I was going to preach on the Sabbath since like January. And I didn't uh, begin actually preparing or writing until Thursday. <laughs> Most of this sermon was done yesterday. I had a wedding yesterday. But I've been procrastinating heavily over this particular message because I haven't been looking forward to it. And the reason that I haven't been looking forward to it is because I am terrible at rest. I'm terrible at it. Mandy will let you know. And things have only gotten worse since uh, we've been in a global pandemic because, like for so many of you, the lines between work and rest have become blurred by the fact that uh, my kids are home more frequently and most of my work now happens at home. And so even having a spatial difference for many of us has, has now, that Venn diagram has crossed and, um, and we don't know, like, the difference between these things. And so um, one of the things that I noticed about myself, and I've noticed this for a while, is that I find myself working or thinking about work when I should be resting. And I find myself stealing away moments of distraction or disconnection, particularly through my phone, when I should be focused on work. So I work when I should be resting, and I, I'm... I'm so in need of rest when I, I'm working that I, I kind of like pull these little moments of distraction and disconnection, daydreaming and, and getting lost in the news or in social media or in YouTube. To be honest with you, the, even the concept of what real rest looks like in my life it feels a little bit like trying to hold sand. <laughs> Every time I think I've got it and I squeeze, it goes through my fingers. I don't know if you feel that way. Rest just, it feels like an elusive concept to me, like I can't get my arms around it. And I'm not sure what it looks like in my life. So we can discern together this morning, right? And it's ironic that I'm preaching on the Sabbath after coming off of vacation, I just mentioned that we were in Asheville uh, for the week. So you, you would think that I'd be coming into this deal uh, pretty well rested after a week away. 
But I've noticed that the, the moment I started to resume the same rhythm of life that I had before the vacation was the moment that the anxiety and the worry and the feelings of tiredness and weariness all reappeared again. And I'm, I'm maybe like you, I'm looking at the, this next uh, season with like kids going back to school and, and the fall ramping up and like sports schedules and all that, and I'm going, I better learn something about rest or this isn't going to go well. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to struggling to stay focused on being present to your family while you're resting? Can you relate to having your mind full of what you haven't done or have yet to do or, or just feeling weighed down by the pressure of there always being more things on your to-do list than you could possibly get to? Can you relate to feeling bombarded with information and emails and news of tragedies that just compile one on top of the other and you don't know what to do about them? I mean, this is uh, affecting our kids too, right? It's not just adults. Our kids, um, the only way my kids know how to disconnect is through connecting to a screen. <laughs> and we're noticing like, the, the screen time has just gone way, way up over the pandemic, and it's not leading to them living more restful lives. They're angrier, they're more contentious, they're more impatient with each other and with us. They're not rested. We're being trained in our society to live at a frenetic pace where you can never do enough, you can never achieve enough, Noise and hurry are the norms of our society. The pace of life is literally shortening the length of our lives. Look up any study. So into this frenzied world of 24-7 worry and weariness that tells us that we'll never have enough, we'll never do enough, and we'll never be enough, we need to proclaim the good news that in Jesus, God declares that we are enough. We are enough. Our good Father delights to meet our needs for security, for significance, for belonging. And Sabbath is a gift designed to wake us up to the sweetness of God's rest and allow us the space to be present to Him and to those around us. Will you bring him your exhaustion, your worry, your anxiety, and your striving today and enter into the rest of your Savior? I mentioned that uh, Sabbath is a term, it's a concept that comes out of Exodus 20, and uh, we read this already, but let me read it, um, just a piece of it one more time. Exodus 20 says, And the Lord spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Keep that concept in mind. Verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you'll labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The term Sabbath in Hebrew is Shabbat, and uh, it just means to cease or to stop. Now, what are we to cease or stop on on Shabbat? You know the answer already. Work. Yeah, labor, toil, activity, uh, things that drain us. Uh, Here's my working definition of Sabbath. 
that Sabbath is a 24-hour period of time set aside. That's, that's, that term holy means to set something apart for a different purpose. That's all holy means. It doesn't mean moral perfection. It means to set something apart for a new plan, a new reason. So it's a 24-hour period of time set aside for what? To be present to God and other image bearers. It's to receive God's provision over us and to enjoy Him and one another. Now, notice right away that Sabbath is the only one of the Ten Commands, if you've ever read through all of them, that uses a particular word. Do you know what that word is? Right up front. It's the word remember. The word remember. It's almost as if God knew this would be the one that we were going to forget. And I I think the reason that God wanted us to remember Sabbath, I'll talk about this in a second, but Sabbath isn't just a concept for Israel. The reason that God wanted us, His people, generally speaking, throughout time to remember a day of rest is because by remembering to practice Sabbath, our minds and hearts begin to remember other important things that God wants us to experience. So think of it this way. Sabbath is a, is a door to something else. It's not an end in itself. It brings us somewhere. It brings something to us that we should be experiencing all the time, but we forget, and so we have to remember. And, and by remembering to, to practice Sabbath, we remember to receive this, whatever this is. Remember I said up front, we can't think our way into God's kingdom. We practice our way into it. So practicing regular rhythmic rest, it triggers a remembrance that gets lost when we fail to practice this thing. So what is it that God wants us to remember or experience? What is it that Sabbath enables us to receive? Well, in order to to see it clearly, we have to look at where this command is situated in Israel's history. What is going on in the history of this people that God gives this command at this particular point in time? Where had they been, in other words, for 400 years prior to establishing this covenant with them? Where were they? In Egypt, under Pharaoh, in slavery. They had been slaves for 400 years. And so it's important to realize that Israel is given the command to rest after 400 years of slavery. Four centuries of not being able to rest because you're at the mercy of people that want to exploit your labor. Four centuries of knowing only one identity, and that's to be a slave, to have no dignity, to not be treated as a human being, but a human doing. To have no vacations, no PTO, no maternity or paternity leave, no sick days. If you have a sick day, you just die. That was the reality. And God mercifully hears their cries for rest, for help, for intervention, for salvation. And they're delivered through the Red Sea to become a new nation. 
And, and God, knowing that they've just endured all that they've just endured and, and how dysfunctional their relationship will be to labor and work in general, God intervenes by establishing a day of rest. And the whole reason was because God wants them to know from day one that he is not Pharaoh. He does not operate like a taskmaster who just expects you to give and give and give without receiving. He comes to them to restore their dignity and to remind them that they are beings made in his image before they do anything to prove themselves. And, and this concept of, of being before doing, it harkens all the way back to the very beginning. If you've read Genesis 1 and 2, you'll realize that God creates the world in six days, six periods, and then he gets to the end and, and he creates human beings in his likeness, and he said, you're my image bearers, go and be fruitful and multiply. And then, so this all happens on the sixth day. What happens on the seventh day? It's a trick question. <laughs> Nothing happens on the seventh day because it's a day of rest. For who? For God and, and his image bearers. So imagine this. Like, you, you're, you have the breath of life spoken into you. God gives you all these commands and all you're to do. And you're like, okay, I've got my new identity, my new body. I've got my partner. I've got all creation. I've got this garden. I'm ready to go. Okay, wait. No. Take, take a rest. Rest before you work. Don't rest because you work, because you've earned it, because you've deserved it, because you've put in the effort. No, like your, your first task as an image bearer is to receive what God has already done and then to live out of that reception in the way that you work. Fast forward to Israel, and now Sabbath, after 400 years of needing to work in order to live, God comes to them and says, I have given you life that you might rest and then work out of your rest. Sabbath, like the other nine commands, is not given to them in Egypt with the promise that if they obey God that they'll somehow be saved. God in His love saves them first and then tells them how to practice, how to participate in their salvation, how to work it out with fear and trembling. He tells them, rest in my presence, rest in my work, rest in my love. It's a gift that's given for you. This is how you become who you really are. This is how you become you again. Friends, we're told to remember Sabbath because by remembering it, we remember who we really are and who God really is. We wake up to the reality that God provides for our needs we wake up to the reality that God loves and cherishes us as children. We wake up to the reality that our worth is not in what we do, but in who we are as His image bearers. And I think as Christians, we need this message more than anyone. We need a weekly reminder that in Christ, we are His and we are free. See, that's good news, right? Right? 
But it also reveals the bad news. Because if, if you've ever tried to rest, like really rest, you know how hard of a work it is. <laughs> it's hard to rest. It's hard for many of us to rest. In fact, it's the only one of the Ten Commandments that you'll never keep by accident. <laughs> Murder, stealing, like, I can wake up, live, live, you know, go through my entire day, go to bed and go, wow, I didn't murder anybody today. Huh. I can't do that with Sabbath. I can't do it. Rest is the only thing I can't do by accident. I either do it with intention or my body does it for me when I don't. It's one or the other. It takes planning. It takes intentionality. It takes discipline. Those are dirty words for a lot of us. I realize that. But deeper still, and I think this is the real reason why we, we shortchange ourselves on Sabbath, is that it takes repentance. Resting takes repentance. Here's why. God tells His people to remember that they're no longer slaves, yeah? That's what the Ten Commandments are all about. This is what it looks like to live as my free people. And the reason that He tells them to remember uh, the Sabbath is because even though they won't be living underneath a, a physical Pharaoh anymore, God knows that their tendency will be to live under Pharaoh continuously spiritually. They're bringing Pharaoh with them, whether they realize it or not. They're going to continue to live as though they're in bondage, even though they're free. Because bondage is all they've known. So why do I bring this up? Because this is just as true for us. We live in a society that's full of Pharaohs. I mean, we've already talked about how like, we're all exhausted right? We're, we're all in need of rest and we can't seem to find it. Why is that? It's because we, our, our society continues to sell us lie after lie after lie that we don't have enough, that we aren't enough, that we won't, can never do enough. That in order to secure a being, we need to have sufficient doing. And whatever that is, maybe that's getting our to-do list done, or maybe that's getting the raise at work, or maybe it's um, having, you know, having done enough so that people have a, a, a good opinion about you. And if somebody, you know, particular people in your life thought that you were somehow lazy, you just don't, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. There'd be pharaohs all around us. But in Christ, we're free. We're free from those things, Amen. We're free from those voices. Our, our belonging, our significance, our security are eternally settled in God's kingdom. And yet, how many of us would say with real honesty that we actually live free lives? Again, I think like so many, like we're enslaved to other people's approval and enslaved to the addiction to prove ourselves, either to ourselves or to our parents or to our bosses. We're enslaved to the fear that we'll never have enough time or enough resources. We're in bondage experientially even though we're free in actuality. 
And what's the primary way that we know that we're still in bondage to these idols and false pictures of God in ourselves? It's our inability to rest. Because rest is how you say no to those voices. Rest is how you say enough to those idols. See, uh, idols that have influence over us, they don't like when we tell them no because they're used to having their way. Powers and principalities are powerful only because we have given over our, our, our agency to them year after year, decade after decade, lifetime over lifetime. It's not that they have real power. It's just that we've given our agency and our power and our influence over to them so that they can dominate us again and again and again. So, li- li- friends, when you try to take that influence and that agency back and give it over to God in, in, the, form, in the form of rest, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> all hell breaks loose. Because they're used to being obeyed and they don't like to be questioned or resisted. Let me ask, where do you have the hardest time receiving the gift of rest? Where do you find it most difficult to put down the labor and the to-do list? To, 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 um, to give your mind over to just being rather than doing. Typically, whatever that area is, is connected to some type of lie or bad news that's that's running the operating system of your life in some way. That lie could be that, that you are what you do. Um, that lie could be that you are what you have. That lie could be that you are what others think of you. For me, it's connected to, the, to that I am what I don't have. <laughs> and that's typically time. I tend to look at my life and I look at my time and I think God just has not given me enough to go around. He hasn't given me enough time. He hasn't given me enough energy. He hasn't given me enough resources. And I I look at my life through the lens of scarcity. And and when you do that, who has time for rest? But I I was thinking about this the other day um, and a particularly busy day that I had. And I was at the end of the day, and I was like, just this, this voice of like scarcity was continuing to run and, and over and over again. And, um, and for some reason, like I was, I was getting ready for bed, and all of a sudden I was like, wait, did I have time to like accomplish everything that I needed to accomplish today? And the answer was yes. Like maybe just by a, like, uh, like I just squeaked through, you know? <laughs> But I, like, I replayed the whole day, and I was like, wow, like, I managed to get up a half an hour early, and I did that, and then I went to this, and then I did that. And I was able to have dinner and be present with my kids, and then I went and did this. It all got done. I was like, holy cow. Like, you were actually faithful today. <laughs> and I'm too busy worrying about, like, the fact that I won't have enough time tomorrow. The consistent voice in my head says that I need to be busy because God can't be trusted with the time that I have. That's why rest uh, requires repentance. I could manage my calendar better. 
You know, I could do all the planning in the world, but if that lie still is lodged in my heart, guess what's not going to change? Me. I might manage to get away on a vacation or to take a day off, but, but fundamentally nothing has changed in my heart. I'm still living according to the same idolatry. See where I'm going? What's the bad news that's operating in your life that keeps you from being able to rest? And then when, even when you do somehow find the, the time in your calendar to rest, you come back to your work and nothing has changed. There is some idolatry connected to that inability to experience the sweetness of God's rest. In a frenzied world of 24-7 worry and weariness that tells us we'll never have enough, we'll never do enough, we'll never be enough, receive the good news today that in Jesus, God declares that you are enough. Our good Father delights to meet your every need. And Sabbath is a gift designed to wake you up to the sweetness of God's rest. Will you bring Him your exhaustion, your worry, your anxiety, your striving, and enter into the rest of your Savior today? Um, By the time of Jesus, the Pharisees had done a number on the Sabbath. (laughs) The religious leaders... Uh, of Jesus' day had turned this gift of God to his people to experience the sweetness of his rest. And they had turned it into a whole system by which to grade people on their piety. And so this this gift that, that God had given didn't feel like a gift anymore. It felt like a burden. Like, oh my gosh, like if I don't rest in the right way or at the right time, like, like my identity is going to be attached to my obedience or disobedience. And that's going to that's going to count against my grade point average. And Jesus sees the, the burden that people are under when it comes to Sabbath. He sees um, overly religious, zealot people who are oppressing those under their care, who are using Sabbath as a way to keep the masses at bay. And he says, the Sabbath was not made to... It was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of Sabbath. I love the way that... That's from the uh, New Living Translation, by the way. If you, if you aren't familiar with that particular um, way that that... If, if that sounds familiar but new to you, that's why. Sabbath was, not, was made to meet the needs of people. In other words... The the aim of Sabbath is not to keep some external rule. It's not to pat yourself on the back. It's not to say, well done. It's not to meet somebody else's expectations, certainly not God's. The aim of Sabbath is to posture yourself in a way to receive the gift of God's rest. It's a way we say yes. Yes to the goodness of God with our bodies. One of the best books on Sabbath, by the way, is um, Subversive Sabbath, I think it's called. It's by a guy named A.J. Swoboda. He's a pastor, a theologian. And um, he's got some great stories in there. He's a much better Sabbath keeper than I am. And um, he's, one of the, 
the stories that he said, he, he talks about getting up and feeding his kids pancakes. And um, he says that in ancient Jewish tradition, uh, every father was supposed to get up before the rest of their family and give each of their kids upon waking up a spoonful of honey on the morning of the Sabbath day. And he goes, that's why I make pancakes, because syrup is the new honey. <laughs> he said the reason that, the, that this became a tradition and the reason that he's picked up on it and started to do it with his family is, is that the, the point is that, the, that children would get up, they would experience something good right out of the bat, and they would never forget the sweetness of God's rest. There, wouldn't, there, there would be a, a day during the week that there would be no expectations of them other than to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think that's a beautiful picture. So what might it look like for, um, for you to practice Sabbath, to receive the sweetness of God's rest? Um, I am no expert at any of these things, but so, here's some of the things that seem good, like good news to me. Um, one is physical rest. Physical rest. Friends, take a nap. <laughs> and what, whatever day that you can uh, set aside, sleep in, take a nap, go to bed early, get physical rest, cease from activity. Two, t- take some sort of time, and I don't expect this to be like Sometimes people think of the Sabbath and they go, I've got to have like a 24-hour devotional time. Like, that's not going to happen once, let alone every week. Um, but the Sabbath is meant to wake us up, to open us up to God's presence. So whatever it looks like for you to, to be available to the presence of God, do that. If that's reading a book or your Bible, then great. If that's taking a walk and praying, fantastic. If that's talking with your family about what you're thankful for from that week, and that reminds you of God's goodness, then do that. Do that. Delight in God in some way. That's two. Three, relational connectedness. Sabbath is not meant to be done alone. One of the greatest temptations for me as a pastor, because I, you know, work on Sundays, is to, uh, is to think about Sabbath as being like a day during the week when my kids are at school. And I can just like do something else besides like, you know, caring for my kids. That's not a good way to think of it because Sabbath is communal. It's relational. It's being present to and with others, the people that God has put in your life and particularly the people that love and depend on you. And so, what does relational connectedness look like for you? Take a walk, play a game, have coffee with friends, do dinner at somebody's house. Just enjoy other people, people in your family. Number four, make the Sabbath a day that you have permission to release your stress and your worry to him. When responsibilities and tasks like come to your mind. I don't know how you um, uh, de-stress or, or, or redirect those thoughts or those feelings. For some people, it's writing them down so they don't forget them and then putting that away. 
For some people, it's just like uh, breathing and praying. But find some way to release that stress, that worry, that anxiety, whatever it is, over to God's presence. To say, I, I'm allowing myself not to carry the burden of whatever that is right now because I'm Sabbathing. Friends, that's how you say no to the tyranny of the urgent is by giving yourself permission to do that. And then the, the last is, Sabbath is a day for changing up your routines. It's a day for giving yourself permission by God not to do something that you would otherwise do. For some of you, that means not doing laundry on Sabbath, the day that you just decide to do this. Not balancing your checkbook. Not taking care of that pile of clutter. Not going to the grocery store. Ceasing from some kind of responsibility. For many of us, that involves turning off our cell phones. Did you know they turn off? I didn't know this. I mean, I knew it, but, but um, yeah, I had to Google how to turn my phone off because I had forgotten. And you know what I noticed? I'm going to do it for you now. When I do it, this screen comes up. Yeah, so the top says slide to power off. You know what it says underneath it? Emergency SOS medical ID. My phone assumes that e the only reason I would want to turn it off is because I'm having a medical emergency. <laughs> Something is obviously wrong with this guy. He wants to turn his phone off. Let's give him 911 just in case. It's ridiculous. We, we think that the world will stop or our hearts might stop if we turn off the inputs. We need breathing room from the constant bombardment of noise. Yes? Take some time this week to think about what practicing Sabbath could look like for you and for your kids. It's not just for you. Maybe that's a 24-hour day. Uh, maybe it's less than that. Maybe that's sunrise to sunset on Sundays. I don't know what it could look like for you. But have a conversation about it or try to spark your imagination for what it could look like. To be free from hurry and distraction and exhaustion. And whatever it might look like for you, is my, this is my encouragement to you, is to make a plan because it won't happen by accident. It just won't. Friends, in a frenzied world of 24-7 worry and weariness that tells us we'll never have enough, be enough, do enough, we proclaim the good news that in Jesus God declares we are enough. Our good Father delights to meet our every need, and Sabbath is a gift designed to wake us up to the sweetness of his rest. Will you enter that rest today? Let's pray.